My name is Kevin, and I'm communing with the undead. And I'm Michael, and I'm writhing in pain in the sand. And welcome to Subtitled Cinema, a podcast dedicated to non-American films. Each week, we'll be watching a film from a different country. We invite you to watch at home so you can follow along. This week, Rashomon, directed by Akira Kurosawa! A Japanese period drama exploring objective reality and truth through four testimonies of the same violent act. So, before we dive in, as always, there's some context. This is based on two works by Ryunosuke Ryunosuke Akutagawa! Yep, that's my first try. That pronunciation was just me being enthusiastic. It has nothing... Those are two very difficult, like, words, let alone a name. Aku... Akutagawa. So, yeah. author of short stories, uh, Kurosawa is a big fan. Um, Akira Kurosawa, director of this movie. Love Kurosawa. Uh, fantastic. He has that flair. Yes. Probably the most notable Japanese director of all time, but he's definitely <laughs> a staple in the industry and is kind of like the forefather of Japanese film. This is based on the short stories that we're talking about, In a Grove, and another similar, similarly, same title, same title. Uh, Rashomon. Uh, however, this is actually just In a Grove. Rashomon is really... <laughs> The elements barred from Rashomon are really just more kind of like the the, the the raining scenes, oh, the scenes where okay. they're, they're, they're talking like the about kind of like meta storytelling yeah. outside, mo- like most yeah. outside story. It's kind of. of that. Oh, this whole society is corrupt, sort of deal. The name is Rashomon's like the town where society is corrupt, um, <laughs> but really the actual elements of the testimonies of the people are when they are story. in a groove. Hence, in a groove. Yes. <laughs> So, um, in a groove is groove. It's in a grove. In a grove. Sorry, I said groove. It's grove. I just want to be groovy. <laughs> in a grove is is essentially the exact same story. Like there's oh, it's, there's four testimonies. Yeah, it's of, it's, like, it's practically identical. Okay. So okay. if you're if you're looking at in a grove and every little like it's intro all, paragraph, there's also a movie matched. called Rashomon, which is the same thing. Okay. But Rashomon is now kind of a common plot device mm-hmm. where it, it's several different perspectives all slightly off until like the culminating to the final true story. Watch our last episode, Hero. Yes, uh, <laughs> Hero is for a an example. Perfect example is that um, Reservoir Dogs, which mm-hmm. is Quentin Tarantino's. Uh, um, not oldest first movie. No. Oh, okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. His first like feature. He keeps popping up in all of our oh, he, Asian Quentin films. Away. That's what Quentin Tarantino's a weeboo. Tarantino um, is, but in a foot finishes. Yes, and in this context, Rashomon is not actually a Rashomon. Yeah, no, the Rashomon effect is a total misuse of the term because it it suggests that the last story is the most truthful one, which. It might be the case for Hero. Frankly, watching Hero, I didn't even get that sense. But well, well, in Hero, they they uncovered the truth. Yeah, we get like closer and closer. But Akira Kurosawa was like, no, that was not the yeah. point of this movie. Yeah, this movie's more about like how our our not just our perceptions shape our reality, but just that like how our memory is self serving. How yeah. there's not really a lot of, I don't know. There's not like a lot of objectivity to be found or discovered or gotten to because all of this is being perverted and changed and it's all malleable because it's memory because it's bias because people are trying to present themselves specific ways so there's no way to get to this stance where you can be this kind of like third person completely removed viewer like 
the effect is drawing its name from like the last narrator because he is still omitting things intentionally such as taking the dagger the Rajman effect doesn't perfectly apply to its kind of source material it's, it's, sur- it's surface level it's, it's surface level is a good way of putting it because Rashman itself really all the, the sort of perspectives and testimonies are supposed to be taken with a grain of salt the amalgamation of them all is the truest of the story but none of these narrators are reliable they're all there's all holes there's all gaps missing and I think that I, I really think that that is something genius on Kurosawa's part to position the audience in this role, to kind of challenge them to not only just be critical of each of these stories in suggesting that each of them are incomplete, but for you to kind of now, as a viewer, sit with all of these testimony and think, okay, what different aspects of these stories might be emphasized, what aspects of them might be more true, might be closer to the truth. How do they change from person to person? Exactly. What effect does that have? Like, what was remaining the same? Like, what was consistent? But then also, at the same time, like, is consistency such a die-hard, like, indicator of the truth? Like, is that really what we want to be basing everything off of? Like, how do we we even get to, like, what happened? Like, what truly happened? Jumping ahead a little bit, I think that's why the woodcutter's perspective is supposed to be perhaps the most like oh this person that doesn't have the most have, like, like stake, stake in of, it yeah. he's not so personally attached however obviously he's still withholding details for his Absolutely. own kind of purposes towards the end and not without consequence i mean he definitely could have shown some light at this sort he of trial have. that was going on absolutely and within the like metatextual elements of the story his withholding has consequences for that trial 100 yeah. percent, because him not telling his story absolutely favorably positions the woman because there's like less weight kind of assigned to her being like bad i guess yeah. for a, a, a very non-eloquent way of putting it <laughs> so let's let's get into each of these perspectives yes um, i think it makes sense to do it chronologically i loved starting with the bandit too. yes so starting with the bandit does just make sense i a loved his introduction he was to staring in the clouds yeah, yeah. oh man f we, this like court procedural whatever are we in the middle it. of something i'm busy <laughs> <laughs> oh oh this is a side note but i very much adored how each of their testimonies was like given as a confessional to the camera again i think positioning the audience as sort of that judge that arbiter of how am i going to approach this how am i going to understand what these people are telling us i but, also think it's really cool to never have heard the judges like yes voice. yes you know that kind of you kind of fill fill that in with almost yourself like, absolutely the characters are explaining their side of the story to you and you're just kind of receiving what they're telling yeah you. hence you like acting in that arbiter role I definitely feel like you're given kind of the raw stuff and it's up to you to make a meaning of it. And frankly, like I would suggest even just like, you know, get rid of this whole notion of the truth. It's all it's all a farce, baby. It's at least all perspective. It's at least all perspective. And on a metatextual level, like we're watching a movie like this has been edited and spliced together and is definitely like removed from any semblance of reality because it's like a capture of specific things. So back to the bandit. That bandit, played by Toshira Mifune. Shout out. You will definitely find him in many other Kurosawa yes. movies. Um, <laughs> he is right what Kurosawa was looking for, and mm-hmm. frankly, what I'm looking His for. His performance was stellar. And also, I think it's worth noting that it's the, the sort of almost theatrical performances from these characters mm-hmm. is not like a Japanese thing in particular. It's okay. Kurosawa's fascination with acting coming out of the silent mm-hmm. film era. Where you had to be like exaggerating. Incredibly expression because yeah. there's no audio. Yeah, which. Of Let's keep in mind, this film was made in 1950. Yes, that. thanks for, like, painting that, because for a 1950 film, I would dare say revolutionary. It's quite technically, like, astounding and oh gosh, yes. thematically intense, you know? Like, there's definitely quite... quite there's weight. 
quite some ways for for social context at the time. Gosh, can we back up to the very beginning really quick? Because Kurosawa is his own best hype man. Oh, yeah. All of his characters going worse than war. <laughs> this is such a story. Oh, famine. <laughs> ah! <laughs> it's like damn Kurosawa. You mean like your story? <laughs> <laughs> All right, so the bandit. <laughs> so the bandit. Um, he tells a story the way you know the general outline of it is. He sees this woman. He's very attracted to it. He pops up. Boner talks about by using we, his sword as a proxy. If like you we did all not know, see that, that was his sword tipping up, tipping, <laughs> tipping, and up. You know, definitely pop, popped one right when they were all passing by. So it's it, he's like desirous, like this is for the woman, like this is two men clashing. Yeah, it's, it's very, very feral, you very know? heroic, very, very idealized, very yeah. like, gladiator. And so he comes in, very and, noble. Well, well yeah. uh, it depends on his perspective. It feels noble to him, I'm sure. Yeah. He comes in. Uh, he comes in. He he essentially ties up the samurai, commits an act of violence against uh, his wife. Sucks. Yes. And in his story, she like falls for him. Yeah, she's like about it, yeah. I guess. And then she says, you have, you have, to, to, you have to kill mm-hmm. the samurai if you want to be with me. And then they, he because of shame, her. a woman shame. Yeah. They her. duke it out. Super epic. It looks great 23 times. Yeah. Oh, no, no man has ever done it in 20... Um, he wins. He wins. Triumphant. Real quick though, the choreography yeah. of his fighting oh, is excellent. It looks really good. I remember when Again, he like, 1950s. Yeah, he like turns around, walks away, it springs back. Yeah, 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 yeah. But, uh, yeah, him him as like a very erratic, very like unpredictable fighter yeah. totally came across super, super well. Manifests itself super clearly. Yeah, like <laughs> <laughs> his constant laughing. Yeah, I was think, I was about to say the exact same thing in that it felt like such a like, using a laugh as, like, a weapon, like, something yeah. to, like, completely, like, psychological warfare your enemy, something yeah. that felt like a show of aggression. Mm-hmm. This might be the square on the mind, but it, it felt like ape-like behavior. Like, oh. I'm gonna, like, bar my teeth and, no, like, definitely. make loud noise at you to, like, be disorienting and be threatening. Be overpowering. And it was very well done. I loved it. She runs she away. Runs away she escapes. She's just, like, gone, vanished. Yes. And he turns around and he's like, well, I guess I'm gonna take a horse. Yes. I really liked the perspective of the bandit after you had gotten all of them. Not only because you can see how he's kind of, like, glamorized their conflict, which, by the way, when we get to the woodcutter, whoo, that was amazing. But also how he frames their motivations to be a lot more true to an ideal. Do you know what I mean? He definitely presents himself a lot more noble. Exactly. And a lot more honorable. This is two men clashing because their ideals are in conflict and they're going to do this whole, like beautiful thing to like fight for what they believe in and like win a woman and our hero comes out on top because exactly. he's our hero exactly and she's like into her rapist like i don't know like, yeah, it's really like, weird yeah, yeah, it's the, the shame that she has yeah, yeah. like what like that was a, like, yeah, yeah. good on her for running away i guess i don't yeah. know it's complicated but, yeah so her story now the wife who shows up shows up <laughs> just like like weeping on the ground oh my god the where, amount of time she, she's in a fight everyone's just in the foreground and then you've got people chilling in the I was, background just I was walking say, still the, amount of times the we whole had that, time love 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 every time you had like a face yeah. and then like the person in the back Oh, sorry, when... I don't even remember which story... I think it was the Dead Samurai story? But when it was the three of them, and it's like, she looks at him, he looks at him, he looks at her, she looks at him! (laughs) I loved it so much! Um, It was phenomenal. I thought the framing of every goddamn shot was, like, flawless. Like, makes the most Mm. out of every single shot. Even the opening shot, too. Like, I, I was thinking about it as I was watching it, I was like, wow, like... As, like, a wannabe filmmaker, I would have framed this in a very lame way. Yeah, he, I, I thought the exact same <laughs> yeah, Like, he made it so engaging. It's yeah, like, wow, this is just two people sitting together and yet. Yeah, it, it looks so good. It does. It looks fantastic. 
quick shout out to the setting of Rashomon, which effectively positions the three men on the outside of the story, as it were, just being like stuck on an island together. You know, same stuff as like, a, oh, a blizzard, like a rainstorm, like yeah. an island. Like, might as well be on isolation. Like, you know, a sandy little palm tree. Exactly. You know. Allowing these three men to like duke it out. Yeah. So get, get to their primal instincts. Getting away from men now. Woman shows up, a goddess, a very small eyebrow chick, quite, quite weepy. <laughs> quite... <laughs> when the when the monk was like, yeah, she wasn't fierce at all. <laughs> that was just funny. Her perspective is one that it's very dissatisfying. Yeah, to, to me. Why? Because... Well, for, well, first of all, qualify okay, yeah, what happens. Yeah, yeah. She, first... she goes to her husband afterwards. He right. looks at her with the cold Hate. eyes. That was actually... I really liked that sequence where yeah. she was like, kill me, beat me, whatever. Like, just don't look at me like that. I was yeah. like, whoa. Yeah. She has a dagger and then faints yeah, she, and she, she, wakes well, up. And, and then the dagger's dead. in him. Yeah. Right? Like, wow. Yeah. That's why I feel dissatisfied because I feel of all the stories, this one gives us the least in terms of... I guess, like, the least action, which I think yeah. definitely speaks to her and her trying to, like, maybe not even cover it up, but just the way she's approaching the events. A blackout makes sense on certain levels. Like, you know, something, like, horrible just happened to her. She's, yeah. go- she's like, going through it. And yeah. also, if you want to take the woodcutters as maybe closer to what actually happened, she is very much, like, not putting herself on the chopping block she, of yes. her actions. She definitely omitted via her, you know, like, weak femininity... <laughs> Women get out of everything through tears. Yeah. Thanks, like, bandit number two. Yeah, I know, right? <laughs> um, well, you know, I think even in the context of the story, like, if we're, if we're mm-hmm. looking at her through, all right, well, she's, she's like, the feminine perspective. Mm-hmm. What are the attributes that a woman in her position can use to her strength? Mm-hmm. Uh, in this case, she's using the attributes of her, like, feebleness or well, whatever. I definitely think just manipulation. Yeah. Especially when you get through her story and then onto Lord Cutter, the way that she is manipulating information to achieve certain ends, whether that be to make two men kill each other who don't want to kill each other, or in the Japanese court to evade a conviction, or whatever the equivalent is. Like, yeah. She definitely downplays and omits, like, her role in this. Absolutely. we're taking the woodcutter story as something a little bit more truthful. Or even, not even just his, you know, the bandit had her being like, you have to kill him. The dead samurai, right, even said the same thing, where it was like, she said something or was like you have to kill him like i'm yeah, pretty sure yeah. every story except hers was like yeah she was the one that said someone has to die yeah so she definitely i don't know uses her like almost desirability in the situation as mm-hmm. leverage to, mm-hmm. to motivate the other characters she's definitely her. inspiring pity she's definitely playing certain things up you know to achieve her ends to do whatever she's trying to do what a terrible person <laughs> so the dead samurai now i like love I like the introduction the to, to the this medium bit. yeah yeah um, that little sequence and then when the audio is just wild like oh that, my gosh that was so cool. such a good touch once such again a good this movie came out in 1950 mm-hmm. like show me a movie from 1949 that was doing, that was like, doing this, this crazy kind of stuff, stuff. Yeah. yeah the medium itself just like doing the whole kind of like ritual thing before yeah. was very engaging definitely did not feel out of place despite how like magic realist surreal it was yeah yeah. Very, very well, very well placed, or very well situated, and I love the fact that we get to hear the samurai's perspective, and that again on kind of like the story within a story where they're like dead men don't tell any lies, and it's like oh well maybe sometimes they do yeah <laughs> like maybe they're still men you know um, so I mean w- when that was going on I was expecting mm-hmm. this to be like a damning like yeah this is right be the truth comes out especially the way they set it up to yeah. be like oh my gosh this is gonna be like the definitive account but persisting even through death yeah so let's go through what happened again right same same basics haven't changed to get tied up bandit takes advantage of wife and bandit is now trying to like console her 
and be very gentle. Yes. And then she says, I'm going to marry you, so I'm going to run yeah, off Yeah, she, she's like, I'm going to go with you. They start to run off, and then she's like, wait, if I'm going to go with you, you got to kill him. Yes. And the guy's like, what? Is it in this story or the woodcutters where he's like, I'll kill her right now? It was, the, it was totally the woodcutters story. Which one? What? No, no, never mind. I take it back. Yeah, where he like pushes her on the ground and is like, I'll kill her right now for doing that. And then he was like, I was willing to forgive. Oh, yeah. I was willing to forgive the samurai for what, or forgive the bandit for what he did just because of those words. Yeah. Which is very interesting. Like, hot take. She runs, she runs off. off bandit the bandit releases, releases the samurai. samurai. And then. I, believe I guess the bandit just also. Yeah. Like, oh, yeah, because the bandit is like something like, oh, this is like my burden now or something. Like, yeah. I have to worry about these consequences. Like, bye. And so the samurai, like, by himself commits seppuku, you he know, stabs himself. Because uh, he can't. He's overwhelmed by this woman running away from Yeah, him. like, by the choice she afforded, frankly, by that yeah. betrayal, you know? So, yeah. very interesting that from his own perspective, he's, he, he claims that he killed himself. Which and is, nobody I, else claims that. Yeah, definitely the, the most honorable way out. I mean, kind of Again, reflecting the like, bandit's honor, yeah. way. Like, we all know he's going to die, but, you know, right. in this way, he dies, like, on his own terms. Yeah, yeah. Uh, he dies sort of, like... Like, in line with his code, too. Yeah, like, like definitely. in a way that is not dissynchronous with his ideals. Yes. In a way that presents him sort of as, like, this kind of moral high ground in the story. Yeah, I could see that. Yeah, kind of like everyone has betrayed or, like, hurt him, and then now he is... I guess doing what's left in his power to, in a yeah. certain sense. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and I think this all kind of steamrolls into, into the, the woodcutter. woodcutter. Yeah. Who, shout out to, first of all, I loved the three of them in Rashomon. The three of them, like, High, under the rain. Yeah, absolutely. Like, that was so interesting. Oh, wait, wait, I'm sorry. Yeah, yeah, yes, under the rain, yes. Yes. Yes, those three. The reason I bring that up is because getting into the woodcutter story, the kind of like vagrant who they encounter, yeah. who wants to the hear the commoner is how he's like yeah. referred to. Yeah. Okay. Okay. If that like that makes sense, yeah. as he's kind of like the voice of the masses, so to speak, or at least the people. He definitely felt representative of like a population. Him being the one to kind of like pierce certain aspects of the story and to highlight the woodcutter's omission of yeah. the blade. I just really like him as, like, an impetus of, like, let's return to these stories because I want to hear them, and then I'm going to, like, have stuff to say about each. He definitely was kind of taking the story and rolling with it. He wasn't yeah. like, oh, that's super tragic, because he was always, like, skeptical <laughs> the whole time. He was. I think he is kind of a reflection of us in that, yeah, we are intended to not fully buy any of these stories or to fully reject any of them. Like yeah. like you said early on, like, the truth is some sort of amalgamation or maybe, you know, maybe the truth isn't even, like, real at all. But, um, so the Woodcutter story. The Woodcutter story, I think... He was secretly there all along. Like, yeah, he was watching. He, his story is that, you know, all the events still happen. All the events the still happen. Still he happens. gets tied up. And well, when they they go to... Well, because what, what does the wife say in... in... Well, the, this is the wife calling everybody out. Oh, so, yes, 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 so yes. So, in the Woodcutter story, his position is that the wife... Is frustrated she, with the two men because she instigated it because uh, every he the samurai gets released and he's like oh right. I'm not gonna die for her right right that she's, like, <laughs> and then she looks back at the bandit and he's like you're right like yeah. and so they're like well oh I didn't took it as soiled honestly I took it as like she, she betrayed him like she was well, like she, she did she she was essentially trying to she was not strong enough quote unquote to like make her own decision on which man to side with she was like gonna let them. Duke it out Duke for it. Her. And then her kind of like passively like just go along with what well, I think next. I think she was instigating that too because neither man really wanted to. Well, yeah, I mean, that's why, I think that's why she instigated that conflict is yeah. to get like her ends met, which is 
I like kind of just like switch things up, I guess. Like, I don't she, know. When she was on the floor crying and it turned into laughing, that was like phenomenal. That was pretty wild. That was incredible work. Yeah. She was like, she was like scaring me. I was like, whoa, she's like going nuts right now. Like, yeah. She's going off the rails. Speaking of cool. off the rails, the subsequent fight. Oh, look, so good. That's I, what real samurai battles are. That's what, that's what made me think that this story is the real story. Because look at those boys go. <laughs> that, like, that's just true to form, baby. Everyone was so sweaty this entire time. They were. Every time the bandit was just like dripping sweat. I was look, like, I'm man, so into this. I, when they were like slipping around on leaves, I was like, do you know how tired they must be after fighting after like oh two gosh. minutes? Like, yeah, I'd be like out of my breath too. The heavy breathing was like absolutely spot on. Like yeah. diegetic as fuck. So they have like just this they sloshing have a around and the, the bandit kind of gets the, the edge somehow despite him being the one without the sword for like half of it yeah. suddenly he gets the sword and it's like game over for this yeah. <laughs> and, and I, I think it's also important to recognize that neither man really wanted to be fighting and they were both terrified during they it. were they were very real fights are very very scary there's yeah. no glamour of Hollywood fights when your life is on the line and you don't know what your uh, fighting opponent forward. is about to yeah. well yeah that too or what your opponent's about to do so both these men didn't really have the strongest motivations to like want to kill Not each at other all. no you desire know? no bloodlust like, you know yeah I, I don't think any of them wanted to like be a part of it per se mm-hmm. but they're both compelled into it and I think that's kind mm-hmm. of sort of the, the story of the movie almost of how like our motivations have like negative consequences and compel us to do things that we don't necessarily want to do and then we're like stuck amongst the consequences well I was going to say more more even kind of like social pressure in that, like, she very much manipulated kind of, like, the... It, it felt to me, like, the context of the time, like, things of masculinity, things of honor. And she framed it in such a way that they kind of had no choice to do that conflict. Yeah. And I feel like that is reflected onto kind of all of these characters, but definitely the three who are in Rashomon, in that you get the sense that they are being socially compelled to do specific actions. And that even though they are kind of making choices within that framework, they aren't necessarily the choices they might otherwise be making. I think a good example of sort of that in action is after all the testimonies are done and said, yeah. um, when there's the baby and yeah. it's covered in the kimono. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, and, they, and that one commenter just immediately starts stealing from it. <laughs> yeah. And he's like, if not me, someone will. Mm-hmm. And it's kind of this moral bankruptcy that they're all sort of forgiving sort of common moralities for the sake of their own self-serving needs. Yes, it definitely felt like an indictment of the moral depravity of the times. And I don't really know that much about 1950s Japan, but... Or Edo Japan. Or Edo, yeah, yeah. but at that point, it felt like a pretty pointed commentary. If not of, like, the social context, then maybe even just, like, those mindsets of, like, greed, of selfishness, of, like, the kind of harm that is ceaselessly begot. Begotten yeah. begets. <laughs> and I think that's that's definitely perhaps like a message or moral of the movie. Yeah. But the, the, just the underlying commentary on perspective mm-hmm. um, is definitely prominent. Kurosawa's perspective on this when yeah. asked is something to the effect of like the, the exploration of multiple realities rather than exposition of a particular truth. Right, again, this isn't like what the plot device is known as, where it's a kind of a reveal or a inching towards objective reality, because that isn't something that's real. Like, kind of what you were saying, like, there's definitely no objective reality. There is all of these things of, like, selfishness and greed. And I think with each story, you get that sense that, like, in some way, each of these tellers are being selfish, and that contributes to kind of these perversions, if you want to say reality, to the perspectives, to the way they're presented, and perhaps in an ideal world, if everyone was selfless and everyone was kind of more beholden to the truth, we might have had a different testimony. We would have had a different testimony, and it would have 
had a, a stronger insertion of justice, a sort of just like all around moral ending. Yeah, you know, something something a little bit more conclusive morally. Something something yeah, something a bit more concrete, like some action. And this is all speculation, but it definitely seems to be pointing towards it kind of like an inverse thing where it's like, oh, all of these happened because the characters acted this certain way, but it didn't necessarily have to be this way. Especially with the woodcutter's kind of 180 in terms of like his own view from the audience's point of view on on how on what? We're, on his moral inflection of him leaving out details of mm-hmm. him stealing that dagger so him kind of being when he says like oh a bandit calling another person a bandit like we get this sense painted from the characters around him that maybe he's not the most morally upstanding well at least in this instance he did something that wasn't and so that's right. supposed to reflect on his character and then and then uh, when he's saying oh I'm gonna take this baby mm-hmm. and the monk oh so monk is like are you you're stealing like, everything huh <laughs> uh, and he's like i have six kids what's one more and the monk is like i regretted first of all yeah like what a line like yeah, oh my right. god like bro you're about to have like seven kids <laughs> yeah. to take care of like shoot but it's kind of in that instance where we sort of become empathetic as a result of understanding his perspective yes and there's a glimmer of selflessness and even a glimmer of oh maybe he stole that pearl inlay because he has six kids exactly that he needs to take care of maybe he's taking this baby because he can he committed this moral this weird kind of you know well I was gonna say oh this this moral quandary right because he has a family to take care of yeah there are motivations and I think in this instance I think ending you know on the outsides of all of these stories all of these testimonies with a very concrete like oh maybe he did this because of this to achieve an end that is not necessarily selfish but an end that is greater than himself maybe the other characters motivations are just as grand maybe they're not maybe they're just as unknown and unknowable and we shouldn't be trying to pretend like we can decipher each other's motivations or completely understand one another. Or even but, our own. Exactly. A because, noble's a good word. Yeah, 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 exactly. Because just like the quote you read off, like, oh, there is no kind of objective reality. There are multiple realities. And that means that there are realities where you're the hero and there are realities where you're the villain. And those don't have to be reconciled. They don't have to be condensed. They are allowed to exist and be contradictory without diminishing one another. Sort of the amalgamation. Yes, the amalgamation, or even I think like you can take it and look at it at each individual facet, and they have value, they have merit, they clue you into how these characters are experiencing the world, how they're perceiving the world, and that doesn't have to change, that doesn't have to be bad or wrong or good or superior, it just is, it just is, it's just the way that those characters are. And that's a wrap on Rashomon. Join us next week for Cairo Station, a psychological thriller following one man's descent spurred on by a modernizing Cairo. Hope you like trains. I do like trains. Follow us on Instagram and Twitter at Subtitled Cinema for movie lists, behind-the-scenes content, and other good fun. I'm not Michael. And I'm not Kevin. And thank you for listening. 